Good morning. My name is Pastor Andrew. I am back from vacation. I'm here with you guys this Sunday. It's good to see everyone. How are you guys feeling about the new year? Feeling pretty good about things? Well, we have another reason to feel really good about this new year. We're going to get started with a guest speaker, uh, Dr. Peter Wong. This morning, I am super excited to share God's word with you about time management. And this is like, when Andrew asked me to come and preach, and he said, you know, this is New Year's, give me your best New Year sermon. I'm like, yes, because I preached this so many times to my own congregation. I actually have junior hire came up to me and say, Pastor Peter, I heard this three years ago. I'm like, you remember my sermon from three years ago? That must be a good sermon. I don't know if you guys remember any sermon three years ago from Andrew. I mean, it's... This must be, I, I'm like, okay, Andrew asked me for the best. I'm going to give you guys the best, right? Um, you know, a lot of times what we found out is like, you know, Bible, it's got great values, it's got great morals, but how can it be practical? How can it be practical? When, when we come to Ephesians 5, verse 15 to 20, in fact, I believe Paul gave us, sketched out for us a very clear presentation how we should manage our time starting from some of the things that we're not supposed to do to encouraging us to do certain things. So we're going to read this together and we kind of dive into it together as a new year as we approach. Ephesians 5, verse 15 to 20. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time. Because the days are evil, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we approach the new year, you, you know, I just saw this quick article. They have all kinds of articles to help you to manage your time, right? How many of you have new year resolutions? All right. How many of you already kind of like didn't fulfill already, right? Three days into it. I'm going to wake up every day, 7 o'clock and work out. Good luck to you, Right? That's a tough one, right? I mean, so people write stuff on the blog, and you can see one of those things. To reach your goals, and this is the title of a quick, you know, paraphrase. It says, to be more logical and take a scientific view of your emotions. And so they come up with terms like goal factoring. What does that mean? Goal factoring means determine whether an action is the most effective way to achieve a goal. For example... If you're not a morning person, don't try to get up 7 o'clock every morning to do that. Because you're most likely you're not going to do that. There's another one called pre-hindsight. Ooh, just make it sound so scientific, right? What does that mean? It just means that if six months from now, you can't even imagine yourself doing that, like, I'm going to wake up 7 o'clock in the morning every day and don't work out. Most likely, that's not going to happen. So do something more realistic. Structure procrastination. Oh, I love this one. 
Basically, it says, you know, you and I, we are going to procrastinate no matter what. So while you and I are procrastinating, do something positive. Like washing the dishes. Ooh, my wife will love me for that. If I can structure that kind of procrastination into it, right? Do something positive. So is that, is that all about time management? Is that all about goal factoring, pre-hindsight? Is that everything about what we're supposed to manage our time? Boy, friends, I believe Bible presents something very different about the way that you and I look at time. How we're going to redeem it because that's what this word in Ephesians 5 talks about. It says uh, making the best use. In fact, that word itself in some other translation means redeem. That means that we have a certain perspective that the Bible talks about when we are looking at the time. And in Ephesians, you will know, if we study throughout Ephesians, the first two, three chapters, one, two, three, knows that it gives us a great motivation how we should approach the time. It's because that we have been redeemed by Christ first. That this word, in fact, have been used earlier in Ephesians. That we are God's children redeemed by him with the price of Jesus Christ dying on the cross. And it's because of that now, we have a motivation to want to redeem the time that you and I have, to make it positive. So, Ephesians 5, verse 15 onward, it gives us six things, how you and I, we need to be spending our time. That it talks about the wise person, how you and I, if we're wise, how we should live. The first thing that we should do is self-reflection. In verse 15, it says, look carefully then how you walk. It's really talking about self-reflection. The second thing that we need to be spending our time doing is to redeem it, to have a right attitude toward time, to redeem our time. In verse 16, it says, making the best use of the time. Or some other translation says, make the best use of the, every opportunity that you're given. Number three, how do you use your time? You got to do it knowing will of God in verse 17. Number 18, it says that you need to be led by the Holy Spirit. And in contrast, the way that people waste their time, the first number one thing is addiction. That's why it says, don't be drunk with debauchery. Verse 19 talks about that when you and I, we have the right attitude toward time to redeem it, the thing that we must do is mutual encouragement. Verse 19. And finally, that there is a gratefulness, thankfulness for everything. That we need to give thanks to God. So, reflection, self-reflection. Look carefully then. Look carefully then how you walk. What does that mean? Look carefully how you walk. There are, there are times that when um, I, I was on track team in high school, and my track coach will always correct me when I'm running because I, have, I tend to have this outward walk, right? They'll be like, no, get together and knees high, right? Going up. Is that what you're talking about? Look carefully how you walk. Uh-uh. Remember, back then, there are no cars. People walk. What, what's, what people say that you're supposed to do? How many steps you're supposed to do a day to keep yourself healthy? 10,000. Right? Some of you have those things that you measure, right? But in California, it's really hard because we drive everywhere, right? So how do you get 10,000 steps? How do you get 10,000 steps? People have to, like, 
go out of their way, you know, if you're working, take the steps to your office, whatever. But most of the time, people say that in the ancient time, people spent easily 20% of the time walking. If you want water, you have to walk to the well, to the river, whatever. You, you want to cook something, you got to gather wood, right? You got 20% of your time walking. Friends, when Paul is saying that we need to watch carefully how we walk, what he's saying is you got to watch the way that you are living your life, period. There was a study done, and it was asking some older people, senior citizens, and they were over 75 years old, and they gave just one big survey. And the survey question was pretty general. It says, you know, now you're old. Was there anything that you wish you did more when you were younger? There was a very specific answer. It's like, I wish I did not marry that gold digger, Okay. Or like, I wish I left that drunk a long time ago, right? So there's a very specific answer. But there are three kinds of answer that was given in category. And the most, the popular one was, I wish I reflected more in my life. And the second highest answer was, I wish I took more risk. Because I chose the easy and safe route. And third was that I wish I did more things that it would last it's a legacy building thing. You know, something lasts after I die. But there's a reason why people, these senior citizens who are wise, who have lived their whole life, would say that, I wish I reflected more. Why? Because they realized while they were living through their busy lives, when they didn't sit down and look at their walking carefully, guess what? They make foolish decisions. They didn't have the time to meditate on what God might be directing them. They might not have the time to appreciate all the beauties around them. Maybe the child growing up. Maybe the opportunity that they've been given. When you don't set structured time to look at your life carefully, that's what you missed. That's what you missed. I know, for some of us, looking at our own walk, our lives carefully, we might avoid that because it might not be a pretty picture if we seriously take an honest look at ourselves. We might realize, wait a second, we're busy for no reasons. Maybe we're chasing for a dream that is, it goes nowhere. But if we don't take a look at the way that we walk our life, the way that we're living our lives, then we will miss a great opportunity to appreciate the things around us, to correct our mistakes. So do you do that in your life? Do you do that weekly? If you have a fellowship that meets weekly, maybe structure a time into that so you can share how you are examining your life. We have a tradition in my family that starting from Thanksgiving, we kind of look through all our photos together. My family, my wife, my daughter, myself. And we kind of examine every, all the events with the photos. And we try to make a big photo book out of it for a reflection of the year. How do you spend some time reflecting and thinking about the way that you have been walking, living in your life? Because the Bible says that it is very important. And that is time well spent when you are doing time in reflection. The second thing 
The second thing the Bible called or Paul encouraged us to do is that we need to have the right attitude approaching this time. In verse 16 it says, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Some other translation again says, redeem your time or make the best opportunity. In fact, if you want to translate this word literally, it really says, buy up for yourself. That you actually have to exchange it with some resources. Again, it's the same word that, that, that Paul used, that, that Jesus Christ's blood was used to redeem us. What is really important to you, friend? How do you, have you been really spending your time? If you can go back to your calendar and look and really look through it, then you'll find out what is really important to you, you will use it. You will use it the way that it's important to you. I have some friends who are very into ultimate frisbee. You guys knew that, right? Did I talk about it last time I was here? Okay. I'm very into ultimate frisbee. One of the really big things I miss when I travel is playing ultimate frisbee, besides my family, okay? Yes. That's number two, number two. I miss ultimate frisbee, right? I have some friends who are even more into ultimate frisbee. They are like 48 years old, almost 50 years old, and they're trying to compete for the World Master, Grand Masters Championship, right? So they have to spend hours and hours practicing. You can tell what you really hard into because by the time that you spent, maybe it's your family, maybe it's your hobby, people can spend hours and hours doing their hobby. Boyfriend, girlfriend, maybe it's your new car. You're just like washing your new car all the time. It doesn't matter if it rains afterwards. You're still washing it, right? To start the new years, we will be addressing these two things. We got to look carefully. We got to have the right attitude, have a wisdom in time management. It's a sign of wisdom when you and I, we know how to use our time wisely. Secular time management, what does it say? You know, it's just like, hey, you got to download a new app, right, in your iPhone. It, it gives a ringtone. It kind of reminds you of doing things. If you have two minutes, do this, do that. But Christian attitude toward time is that you and I, we need to redeem it because, you know what, it says the times are evil. To be used by God, we need to take it back so that the time we're used is for God. We got to maximize the time that you have. It's a very positive, it's very proactive approach of redeeming and taking the time back for God. In the NIV, it says making the most of the opportunities. I think actually that is very passive. Okay? I think that's actually not, it doesn't really mean what, what this, it's really Christian theology here is to making the best use. How can we make the best decision with the time that you and I, we have together? So we got to be more aggressive and more assertive. And this is very different from some other religion and from some other approach from philosophy toward time. I remember one time I made a friend who was a Buddhist at the gym. And she was telling me this story. She's this older lady, almost my mom's age. And she was like, Oh, I, I realize you're a pastor, so I'm a Buddhist, and I have this friend. And when, when people say, I have this friend, usually it's like about their own personal issue, and when they're talking to pastors like me, okay? So I have this friend that, that her husband is really addicted to gambling, 
and is wasting all their money away. And how do I counsel her? Because how she feels is like, you know, in a Buddhist understanding is we got reincarnated, you know, there's something else. I, I owe him from this last life. So I just need to sit here and endure it until the next life. I'm like, wow, what a passive way of dealing suffering and, and the things that you go through, right? And I was like, wait, 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 wait a second. This is not what Christians think. The Christian, when we see things like this, we want to take your husband to go to a, you know, gambling anonymous, right? We want to take him to go through some counseling. We, we want to make the best use of the time. I don't think the time that you have now is just to wait for the next life that you have. Friends, the Christian concept of time is very positive. It's very assertive. We want to make the best use of it. The times are evil. The people are in addiction. People are struggling with things. But you and I, we have a resource that comes from God himself to make this world better. And we got to redeem it for Jesus. All right? Think it positively. We got to redeem it for Christ. All right. Verse 17. Verse 17. Another very important thing about time management is that we need to know the will of God. Verse 17 says, So do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. New Living Translation says, Don't act thoughtlessly, but try to understand what the Lord wants you to do. Secular time management says, Just list out the things that you need to do today. If you can do it in under two minutes, do it, right? Don't procrastinate. Do it. Prioritize the rest and start from the top. There is a huge false assumption there. What's the false assumption? The false assumption is thinking that you and I really actually know what's the top priority. Isn't it true? That we actually know what needs to be done first or to make our lives more effective or to be going toward to the right direction. If we think our career is most important, then we'll do everything that we can to make our career work. Spend 10, 12 hours at work. If we think making this wedding as beautiful as possible, then you will spend many, many hours preparing for your wedding. If you think make, uh, having your kids go to you know, the best school, Harvard University, the best possible, then you will spend all your resources time and tutoring for your kids to go to college. That's assuming that you and I, we know what's really best for us. But what really is the will of God? Have you and I stopped and reflect and asked? Knowing the will of God, discerning the God's will, it's time savior number one. I don't know if you realize this. Because if we go on the wrong track, if we follow our own heart, what we think is important, what ends up to be is that it leads us away Maybe for our, for our own, own ambition, our own desires. The basic level, there are two levels. The basic level to know the will of God is just simply follow God's commandment. That will save you a lot of time. I don't know if you guys know Mel Gibson, right? Mel Gibson, Passion of Christ, right? Mad Max. Okay, that's a long time ago. Mel Gibson had a divorce, what, 10 years ago? How much money did it cost him? $850 million. If you have a divorce, 
Do you know how much time they've spent to settle the divorce? The, the emotional resources that you have to spend. Friends, stick to the scripture. Scripture says, don't commit adultery. Don't. Hey, it saves you a lot of time. You guys realize that? Don't bear false testimony. If you lie at work, what happens? You worry about it. People are going to find out. Then you cover it with more lies. And during that time, you're worrying the whole time, right? It wastes your time. There was one time I was um, in high school, in junior high. I was still in Taiwan. I cheated on the test. And I didn't want people to find out. I went home like, oh, I did all right. And then the school teacher called my mom. I, I kept on lying. You know, it just one thing led to another. Waste your time, okay? Don't do it. Fulfill your responsibility. If you are not studying hard in your class, you fail, guess what? You have to take it again. Waste your time, right? If you did it first time, pass it first time, it's great. If you don't consistently practice this basic level in obedience of God's commandments, it's really difficult to talk about the second level to know the will of God because the will of God sometimes will take us beyond the first basic level. That might be the direction of your life, do you want to be a missionary? What career or profession you might want to be? Those are things that it takes you to wait upon the Lord, to, to have a silent retreat, to study the scripture, to have fast, to, to ask and wait upon the Lord and say, God, where do you want me to be this year? Are there a particular group of people, a particular uh, subject issues that you want me to focus on to, to really spend my, my energy not just studying about it and maybe do something about it. Maybe it's a social justice issue. Maybe it's a group of people. Maybe it's your own family. You realize that, wow, I, I have, after some reflection that, that I've been spending too much time at work, I need to bring it back and, and really love my wife, love my kids. Friends, we got to do that. We got to figure out the will of the Lord, not just our desire, our ambition. Maybe this year God calls you to go on a short-term mission. Just came back from Urbana. There are more than 5,000 students decided that they are going to go on short-term missions to explore God's will next year. Praise the Lord. Maybe that's one for you as well. What would it be? We got to know the God's will, not just from a basic level, but more advanced level. Verse 18, Paul is very practical. He says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. Boy, addiction certainly wastes your life, doesn't it? I have a young adult group that I've been leading for this last 15 years. They're college students, young adult, now they're in their early 30s. At a certain point, when the guys get together, guys, they're talking about what's going on, their whole conversation will be about the game that they play. 
League of Legends or WoW or whatever it might be, right? And the whole 20 minutes before the Bible story starts is like talking about games. And I'm like, all right, guys, I'm sorry to tell you this, but from now on, whatever you say about game, it's going to be five minutes tops. And try to find something else to talk about besides the game, okay? Because what? Because you realize they're so addicted to it. <laughs> and if you really have to figure out how much time they spend every day for some of those college students, they say spend like 10 hours playing games, right? If you can get off that, boy, they can do so many other things. This is what Paul's talking about. Don't be drunk on the wine. It's not just about substance abuse, right? If you are abuse, uh, abusing substance, for sure you are wasting a lot of time. Okay? Pornography, another thing. Drugs, alcohol. All right, there could be good things that you'd be addicted to. It could be a hobby. Some, like some of my friends, ultimate frisbee, sports. I know somebody who, you know, run for like three hours a day. Is it good? Good thing. They were, they were starting to prepare for marathon, and one thing led to another. It overtakes it. Relationship addiction. Maybe some of you are saying, you know, I, I want to see my kids grow up. You know, I want to be the best parents possible, and I want to do everything for them. And, and maybe you kind of breached that line and, and went over it. And instead of you being a good parent, you, you're really addicted. They're your idol, and you can't get away from your kids. Addiction. Our church, sometimes we go volunteer in a city team ministry. It's a ministry that works with um, a lot of uh, people in poverty, and also um, people, they have rehab program. And when, especially when you work with some of the people who have been addicted to alcohol and drugs, you realize that they could be 50-year-old, but their emotional maturity and the life wisdom, they're kind of frozen when they started drugs. It could be 15 years old or 17 years old or 20 years old. Why? Because they have wasted their lifetime away. And they're stuck in the time that when they started using, abusing these drugs. That's the reason why Paul says, don't be addicted to any of those things. That's number one time waster. Once you get off, you can redeem it. And if you have done it, you have been addicted. I have been addicted in junior high, high school to games. A lot of the younger guys are or have been. Then we need to go back before to look at a time and say, you know what? It's okay. We can still redeem it. Jesus Christ redeemed us back. It's a time for you and I now to contribute to other people's life, to help other people. But instead of being controlled by addiction, Paul says here, let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. What does that mean? That means that we must live by the Holy Spirit, fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. We don't waste our time doing and being addicted to things, but when we are leading by the Holy Spirit, boy, it's a time redeemed. It's a time when we are helping other, contributing to other people's lives. And so what do we do? How do we contribute in other people's lives? Paul continues. Verse 19 says, Addressing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, 
singing, making melody to the Lord with your heart. That's one of the best things that you and I we can do is to encourage each other. We address one another with loving relationships. With the time that we have that's redeemed, Paul encouraged us to redeem our relationship with encouragement, with joyfulness, sing together. What you do with your friends? You know, hey, we Asian people, we love to have potlucks, right? That's great. Enjoy each other's relationship together. But not just having food, but have spiritual food. That's what Paul is saying here. Singing spiritual songs. Fill one another with encouragement. Making melody to the Lord with your heart. And finally, Paul says, give thanks. Give thanks. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I am so thankful for my family. As you know, that I travel a lot this month. And I'm going to be traveling a lot more because I'm taking on this new position. But while I was away, I know I'm glad that my wife and my daughter, they were taken care of by my brother and my mother. And because they live like five minutes away, my daughter can always go play with her cousin. And my mom is always there to pick her up and take her to gymnastics practice. I'm just so thankful. I'm so grateful. Friends, are you grateful? Are you grateful? If you're not grateful, you know what? You will be using a lot of your time complaining, thinking about all the bad things. When you have that entitlement complex, boy, your time is totally different. You, the way that you look at your time is totally different. One of the most stressed out people I know, a group of people I know, are mothers of 15-year-old boys. Okay? When I was a youth pastor, they come into my office all the time. Rarely, rarely people come to my office. And these group of people, this group of mothers come into my office all the time. And they will say, Pastor Peter, why are they playing games all day long? Don't they know? Don't they know they should spend their time better? And they will be like, we came to United States. We took $200. You know, we walk, you know, 20 miles, miles in, in snow to just to grab them here. I'm like, wait a second, you're from Taiwan. There's no snow in Taiwan, right? What, how can they not spend their time more wisely? And they, they, they go through the long length of the, of the sacrifice that they made. You know, we peel them fruit, we cook them meals, you know. Save them all this time so that they can study more. And then what do they do with the time that we save for them? Play games, right? Play games. What's going on? And I said, you know what? They take whatever effort that you have done for granted. Because none of them have added to your gratefulness when that happens. You know what? They think that's supposed to be. That, my encouragement to them is, you know what, next time I go to Belize, when I go to some third world country, Mexico, let me take them and teach them a lesson. And they'll come for a short-term mission trip, 
And they go home, they're like, wow, mom, thank you for this fish head soup. This is so delicious, right? They have gratefulness. They, they appreciate it. And because they appreciate it, guess what? They, they can spend their time wisely. Give thanks. Friends, when you and I, we do not give thanks to the Lord in everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, what does that say? It says that we develop that same kind of entitlement attitude as well. When we start thinking, we can take the credit. Oh, I got promoted it's because I worked hard. Oh, I got this beautiful wife. That's just because I'm, I look good myself, right? When we have those kind of attitudes, then we rob God of his glory. And we, when we don't have that grateful attitude and say, you know, everything that you and I, we got is from God himself, boy, it takes, takes us away from focusing on the will of the Lord that we talked about. And, and, and we start to have this entitlement attitude. We must give thanks for everything that you have, for everything that God, every good thing that God has given us. Let's pray together as we continue to thank God for our personal life and everything that he's given us. Father, we are so grateful. God, we want to structure a time of reflection into our lives. As we look back in 2015, we see all the blessings. And God, we want to say thank you. Thank you so much for not just material blessings, but for the relationship that you've given us. For the lesson in life. God, we want to give just a little bit of everything back because we know that you redeem us through your son, Jesus Christ. And we want to redeem our time for you. We want to be positive influence and contributor to this community and to the people around us. We want to know first of your will. Help us. Help this congregation to know what you have planned for them. Not just as a church, but also as an individual. God, I know that you call each one of them in different positions, in different places, at work, in their community, in school. God, you want them to redeem the relationship, the time that they have. May you give them direction. God, some of us sitting here today, we are addicted to some things. Mm-hmm. It may be substance. It may be relationship. Maybe it's our hobby that's went overboard. Maybe it's our own ambition. God, we need your Holy Spirit to overcome this addiction so that our time can be redeemed by you. And God, we need, when we have these times, that may you help us not just to sit at home and watch Netflix. But God, we get involved in the community. We encourage each other. And that we praise and thank God together, continue to develop that grateful attitude. God, may you help us. Because we want 2016 to be this year. That will be used by you greatly. So we put this congregation before you. May you bless them.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.